Football is around the corner, and we are ramping it up over here on the Ringer NFL feed in the month of August. Every week, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you not one, but two extra point takens. That's right, double the trouble as we predict, debate, and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every Monday and Friday. But that is not all. Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Wednesday. We'll talk about everything in the world of the NFL. And who knows, maybe Steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad. Though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow The Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From supercharges, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Football show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And today we are doing our favorite sleepers, real sleepers, deep sleepers. These are the late round league winners. DK, yeah, not, not so long ago, on this very episode, plugged Lamar Jackson as the guy, and that's a little cheating because we're talking guys mostly outside the top 120 today, and Lamar was right around 20. But DK was like screaming from the rooftops, everyone should get Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson then leads the league in touchdown passes, runs for 1,000 yards, wins the unanimous MVP award. And so, DK, I want you to start (laughs) off here. What player outside the top 120 is going to win a unanimous NFL MVP this season? (laughs) Wow, there's a lot of pressure there. That is quite the intro. I'm going to start with a guy who I actually don't like that much. Like I've, <laughs> nice. I've gone awesome. This is a player that I've made fun of a lot over the last two years. It's Michael Thomas of the Saints. He is notoriously unreliable. I, <laughs> Unless it's start. the preseason, then you can really depend on him. Get him in there and run routes. Um, no, I think obviously <laughs> the market has adjusted to Michael Thomas missing most of the last two years. And we can get him pretty much like in the 10th or 11th, 12th round. It's not a huge investment. Um, but as much as it pains me to say this, when he's on the field, he's pretty good. Last year, he played three <laughs> games. He averaged 14 points per game in half PPR. That was good for wide receiver 10. You can get him in the 10th or 11th round or later, maybe. Uh, and I think the Saints offense is poised to be really good, poised to be much better than it was last year. I think Derek Carr, while maybe not a superstar, is an upgrade over Andy Dalton. That's not, you know, I'm not breaking new ground with that comment, but I do think... The other thing to keep in mind here is New Orleans has a very easy schedule. 
So there's a chance that their offense just could really be humming this year. And Michael Thomas could end up being the number one receiver in this offense again. Obviously, Chris Olave is there and he's going to, um, you know, obviously get his. But I think Michael Thomas is still going to be a big part of this offense. The only question, of course, is that whether he's going to play in very many games. But I think at that cost, his upside outweighs the potential downside. So I'm actually in on Michael Thomas this year. I don't know why. This is a great zag. This sucks, but it's the right idea. I got to <laughs> yeah. say, right? I mean, this just makes a ton of sense. Last year, I was very into Michael Thomas. I was doing pitches for him every week, but he was going as like the wide receiver 24. And right, I right. was like, look, I thought I was arguing that that was a value. And now, I mean, he's going twice as, you know, twice the distance away. So at wide receiver 47 in our rankings. So like, yeah, this is an obvious late round pick. If he sucks and gets hurt, you drop him. And if he's oh, great, wow. he's probably going to start for you, which is inc- which is crazy for a guy outside of the top 100. Your first 10 players are basically your team. And then everyone after that, you're kind of throwing shit at the wall. And I agree, Michael Thomas, good thing to throw at the wall. But I feel a little bad because I feel like you guys were out on Michael Thomas. And I was like, come on. And it's like, I feel like I, there's a toxic friend that you guys kind of stopped talking to. And I was like, he's a good guy. We should hang with this guy. You again. wore us down. And now you guys, yeah. and now he's he like back in your life. And I'm like, oh. He was young. He's matured now. Okay. He grew he's up. not that young. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this purely from like academic integrity point of view. I don't actually want to take him, but I think the, the value at his price is too much to ignore. You have to, you have to think logically here. And he has, literally top 10 wide receiver uh, potential. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your own team as a fantasy manager to draft him. Exactly. Craig, you have toxic friends. You're going to plug Kadarius Tony right now while we're in toxic friends. That I mean, look, yes, right. I still think despite him still being out with his like knee sprain or whatever he has, he's still worth a draft pick. But if we stay in Kansas city, I think Justin Ross, if you really, if you're in a deep league, 14, 16, maybe 12 and it's your last pick of the draft, Justin Ross, who, if you're not familiar with him, it's a second-year guy out of Clemson and was basically the best wide receiver on the national championship Clemson team when they had T. Higgins and Hunter Renfro, Amari Rogers, when Trevor Lawrence was there. They killed Alabama, and in that game, true freshman Justin Ross had 150 yards and a touchdown in the national championship. He's 6'4", 210. He's incredibly talented, but has had a slew of really rough injuries. He had a neck and spine injury that caused him to miss some time in college. And then he had foot surgery as a rookie last year in Kansas city, but he's back. He's healthy. It looks like he's going to make the roster. He's been kind of rattling off highlight plays in training camp. I mean, look, this is a true, just talent, throw your shit at the wall. There's, there's a non-zero chance that this guy becomes a true talent in the league. This is a five-star talent with Patrick Mahomes. So it's worth a shot. I agree. I'm kind of skeptical that another receiver emerges behind Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs, but that's why I don't. I didn't really like Kadarius Tony as a top 100 pick. But you absolutely should be throwing a dart at I, I even like Sky Moore, who's going like 130th. Like I, I think at that point again, I don't think it's more likely than not that Sky Moore or Justin Ross is good. But at the price, it's like yeah, I'll throw a dart, and then Sky Moore is still like a 13th round pick. Justin Ross is like the last pick in your draft. Honestly, Justin right. Ross, if you're in a 10 or even a 12 team league, Justin Ross will probably be on waivers yep. in your league oh, unless easily. someone yeah. has picked up on the hype train. So Justin Ross, you don't really need to reach more than like a single round before like picking a defense. And yeah, it's like, I, I think you're exactly right, Craig. I think that Hype, it's your skepticism that someone is going to emerge in this Chiefs offense. That's shared by the market right now, right? Like a lot of these guys are just, Sort of yeah. late round darts. Sky Moore. There, Sky Moore. I was looking this up. I think his ADP is actually lower than it was last year at this time, um, and he wow. was a rookie. And so, you know, there's people that a lot of people just basically don't believe anyone's going to merge. This is sort of the prevailing 
thought. And that is where you could potentially find an edge here. And of course, maybe they're right. Maybe no one will emerge from this offense. But if it's either Justin Ross, Sky Moore, maybe Rasheed Rice, the rookie, um, if one of these guys does emerge, again, this is Patrick Mahomes-led offense. This is one of the pass-happiest teams in the NFL, one of the highest-scoring teams in the NFL, and one of the you know fastest-paced teams in the NFL. So all the all the ingredients are there for like a massive explosion, and we just need to find the right guys. So like, take your shots on some of these late guys. It's not going to cost you all that much. And I I think I think if I had a bet, it'd be Sky Moore or Justin Ross, and Justin Ross is cheaper. But Sky Moore had a very funny, not a fun, he wasn't a funny quote, but I thought it was funny, where he just had the most simple answer. They're like, what's the difference between year two and year one? Because year one, Sky Moore basically redshirted. And Sky Moore basically said, Yeah, now year two, when the play's called, I'm not wondering where do I line up? I'm just thinking yeah. about how do I beat this guy? And so now last year they would have been incompletions, but this year they're completions. And then I got the ball so I can add yards. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that that's like, wow. It I matters. Wish I you get the ball and then you add yards. Like that's exact. I couldn't put it better myself. I don't think people understand how, how hard it is to learn an NFL offense. Like, have you guys heard play calls? Have you heard how complicated they are? I know that in those play calls, it's sort of like, they you build in directions for, your... for each player. Yes. Right. But yeah. it's still, it's so complicated. So it does complex. Sound like Navajo so many... if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It's like you have to be a wind talker. There's so many different site adjustments, option routes, things that you need to learn based on how the defense is lining up. It's like going into a class and trying to learn an entire semester's worth of stuff in like a couple of weeks. This is what these rookies have to do. And so, you know, I, I, we heard Malik Willis talking about this too. He, he was much more impressive starting in preseason this year than he was last year where he was just running around. They obviously the Titans did not trust him, but he, he was asked essentially the same thing. And it was like, what's the difference between this year and last year? He literally said, I know the offense now, <laughs> like that's a major difference. Like it takes a while to, to, you know, take this in and ingrain it. So you're not thinking about it and you're just doing it. You know, when you're in like a job interview and somebody asks a question you were not prepared for and you just you have that like cold Stare. rush wash over your body and you're like, holy yeah. shit, what am I going to say right now? I got to pull something out of my ass. I wonder how many times that happens to a quarterback where they like call in the play and he's like, man, I got no idea what this is. And I got to just run around. If you get the question wrong in the job interview, a 300 pound defensive tackle flattens you with all of his might. That's where you call a you call an audible and just run a run play. Yeah. <laughs> The, the show on Netflix quarterback does a good job of kind of like showing you how difficult play calling is in the NFL. Another receiver I think is a sleeper. This is a Glansberg. We have, I don't think we've said his name, but I'm increasingly kind of obsessed with getting this guy at the end of my draft. Donovan Peoples Jones for the Browns. Mm. Donovan Peoples Jones is our 56th wide receiver. He's 143rd overall. So really like toward the back end, like, you know, the, the real throwing stuff at the wall. I'm obsessed because at the end of the draft, Anything after 130, 140, depending on the platform, you kind of just start scrolling. You're like, all right, who's here? What's going on? And when I scroll at the end of these drafts on whatever platform I'm on, Donovan People Jones just sticks out because they have a thing called burst score. And basically, you take your combine numbers and it's like your vertical jump and your long jump and you mash them together and you get a burst score. So it's not complicated. How high can you jump? How far can you jump together? That's like a conduit. Yeah, for your explosiveness, right? Donovan People Jones among wide receivers is in the 100th percentile for burst <laughs> score, a 100th percentile athlete. And for all of our obsession with Elijah Moore, you know, who's starting for the Cleveland Browns, 
Donovan and Peoples-Jones. You know who's practicing for the Cleveland Browns? Donovan and Peoples-Jones. Elijah Moore were obsessed with what he could do in the slot. Donovan and Peoples-Jones, first of all, only a year older. He's 24. Elijah Moore's 23. Yep. He's going 70 spots later than Elijah Moore, 50, depending where you're looking. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is, again, he's four inches taller. He's 30 pounds heavier. He's also an absurd athlete. And he's actually practicing. Amari Cooper's missing some practicing. That's veteran. I'm not worried. Elijah Moore has a rib injury. He's not practicing. And I just look at him like Donovan Bibble Jones is every single box you look for in a late round pick. An absurd athlete in a situation where he's already got playing time. And if he pops, he has the ceiling to be really good. So I basically have drafted him in every single mock or draft I've already done. He ran a route uh, 90% of the team's routes last year. He was on the field all the time. And that's like key because I think if you're looking at Elijah Moore is, is a big sleeper for a lot of people and I really like his talent, but he's probably, or he, there's a chance he might not be on the field in two receiver sets. You know what I mean? It might be yep. Mari Cooper and Peoples-Jones out there because they play different roles in the offense. And so, you know, fantasy is a volume game. You want to chase that volume. The other thing about Peoples-Jones, Heifetz, you mentioned it, Obviously an elite athlete, but he's also got a really high pedigree. I believe back in the day he was a five star five star recruit. You know, he, he incredible he's, player at Michigan. Talent is not the question. It's just really what is this offense going to do? And so to me, you know, when you when you're taking these dart throws at, at some of these late round guys, you have to build a narrative. Like what what could happen that would make this guy pop and be worthy of, you know, a top fifty pick or something like that next year. And we if we see Deshaun Watson take a big jump and start hitting on those deep passes a little bit higher rate and, and just basically understand and play this offense better. Like that could be massive for Donovan people's Jones. I could see him. There's a world in which he finishes as like a, you know, at worst, like a, a flex type option, but he could even finish as like a wide receiver too, if that happens. And so you have to build a narrative. You have to kind of construct that. And why could he, you know, make that big jump? And I think it comes down to Deshaun Watson and the fact that he's probably going to be playing a lot. Don Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably going to be playing a lot. I like Heifetz just as like Al Davis at the end of his fantasy drafts. He's just going after freaks. He's just looking <laughs> yeah. at first score. He's like, yep. just give me the six, four guys who run four threes. The thing, the difference to me is like, sometimes when you do that, you're like, this guy's an insane athlete. And then he's so talented. He'll get playing time and you figure right. it out. But this guy starts. <laughs> this guy's already a starter. I, to tell you the truth, it's really hard to beat the mark. I hate that phrase, but to quote unquote, beat the market, which is what you're trying to do when you have your own rankings or whatever. You have to identify, well, why is everyone else wrong about this? And I think it's very simple. It's like the Browns traded for Elijah Moore and they drafted Cedric Tillman in the draft. And it's perceived as like, oh, the reality is Donovan and People Jones is a free agent at the end of the year. Contract year. That's nice. The Browns Ooh. can't resign him because they're paying Cooper. They're paying Sean Watson. They're paying Nick Chubb. They're paying their offensive line. They can't also invest money in like Don, like they're Donovan and People's Jones. He's going to leave. Cedric Tillman's drafted to be his replacement and Elijah Moore plays a different position. So I think that everyone's just kind of missing that this guy's just staring us in the face. So I love him a lot. That's a good one. DK, is there yeah. any other receivers that stick out to you as like a late run sleeper? Yeah, and this one, I think sometimes when you are talking about sleepers, you have to kind of go against your gut. That's exactly what I did with, with Michael Thomas. The Costanza. Like, yeah, it's 100% a Costanza. I think Zach, Costanza, the sleeper Costanza this year. Jameson Williams of the Lions. Mm. Basically, the vibes are atrocious. Like, what are the like? This is worse vibes this year than Traylon Burks last year. You know what I mean? Like, Traylon Burks' wow. coach clearly hated him. He was like, he couldn't finish a practice, and he came in eventually in the games, and he looked pretty good. You know why? Because he was a first round talent, and he figured it out as time went on. We had the same thing with Jamar Chase. Of course, everyone's gonna compare uh, any rookie that's struggling or any young player that's struggling with Jamar Chase. But I will say. Sometimes the best thing to do is just go the opposite direction of like training camp hype. 
Sometimes these players figure it out as time goes on. And Jameis Williams, he's going to have six weeks to figure it out because he's going to be suspended. But if you go back, I mean, this guy is very fast, very explosive, run after the catch. He was a very good receiver prospect who missed most of his first season to an ACL tear. And the Lions traded up, I believe, to like 12 overall or something that really high to go get this guy. So they clearly had belief in his talent. And now we just need to see it all come together. And the nice part is there is some room in this offense for him to emerge once he gets back on the field. Again, this is a good offense. Uh, you know, one of the top five teams in points per game, uh, top six in passing yards last year, uh, top 11 in pass attempts. So they're going to be a lot of volume potential for points. Um, and of course, there's a massive steep discount with Jameis Williams because he's had an, a truly atrocious training camp. <laughs> you know, he's suspended. He's dropping passes. Uh, the coaches are talking about how he may never be a natural hands catcher. Like th- these are all these are all things that are driving down his price catch his for good reason. But sometimes you just sometimes really just have to go against. You have to fade preseason narratives because sometimes these guys are just too good and they end up, you know, performing like you expected him to perform before all this bad news kind of happened. You know what I mean? So he could be this year's version of like a Christian Watson. Remember last year, Christian Watson came on really strong down the stretch. He was a quote unquote league winning type guy, even though you didn't have him or you weren't using him for the first probably like 10 year, 10 weeks of the season. Um, I, I do think Jameson has that type of talent at least. Are you recommending people draft Jamison Williams despite being suspended for six weeks? Or is this just like, keep your eye on him and on the way? I mean, ideally stash him and put him on your IR. Cause if he, he, he does have in some leagues, if he's got that suspension tag on him, you can just drop him on your IR and you don't have to worry about him having a roster spot. I say, if you have a, if you have a, you know, a, a not very many people on your roster type league, then you probably just want to like keep an eye on him and, and go with other guys they can use in the first six weeks. But if you have a deep roster and, or an IR spot that works with suspended guys, I think he's worth a stash at least. I think this is brilliant, TK. I'm so, I'm proud and jealous of this. This is the perfect Costanza because every bone in my, every fiber in my being says that Jameson <laughs> right. Williams is just giving me beyond the ick. But you're right. Like, that's kind of when you should strike. Michael Thomas and Jameson Williams, baby. I'm, I'm zigging while everyone's zagging. Yeah. Zagging. Zagging, right. <laughs> to Craig's point, I agree, though. 10-team league may be a waiver guy. But again, you do worse things to keep him for six weeks. I also think, I will say... If your league does allow suspended guys in the injured reserve, I think that's ridiculous, but that's neither here nor there. But you're right that okay. get a lot of people do that. <laughs> All right. It's true. Why? Well, why? Why should a suspended player be allowed in injured reserve? They, I, I care. Because why they're not on the they roster. Be allowed? Uh, yeah, because they did Heisman's something actually. wrong and we're punished for it. Yeah, but we should yeah. be able to stash them. That's ludicrous. That is ludicrous. It actually <laughs> okay. makes me blood, my blood boil. Yeah, okay. All right. Other <laughs> rapid fire sleepers here. While we're on lines, Jameson Williams. Uh, Similar vein to Donovan Peoples-Jones, Josh Reynolds is not a crazy athlete, but Josh Reynolds is a, is a starting wide receiver for the Lions that yeah. no one cares about. Yeah. The most boring player, boring name. Just kind of hanging out on Detroit, running routes. He'll be out there. I'm not 100% sure I could have told you what team he played for if you just told me his name. <laughs> Completely unremarkable person and player. No shade to him or your family. I'm sure you're a lovely guy. Damn. But Josh Reynolds, starting player for the Lions, which is expected to be a great offense. And... Um, you basically pr- almost definitely could get him on waivers and not just a 12 team league. Right. I bet a 14 team league, you could get Josh Reynolds starting receiver on waivers. Yeah. That's a pretty good. One. Alec Pierce for the Colts. We're super down on Michael Pittman because of Anthony Richardson's rookie season. But Alec Pierce is the other starter there in Indianapolis. Alec Pierce is tall. Alec Pierce is fast. You can get him quite literally 100 spots after Michael Pittman. And I would not be stunned if Alec Pierce got you 80% of what Michael Pittman does for 5% of the cost. 
Uh, Rashid Shahid on the Saints. He's a crazy deep one. threat. Yeah, yep. 17 yards per catch last season from Rashid Shahid. Wild to watch him uh, run deep routes. And now Derek Carr is the quarterback in New Orleans. Derek Carr led the NFL in deep touchdown passes last year. Shahid, he might be good. He, he might be a very good player. I, I like him. That's a good call. You don't even have to necessarily draft these guys to what Craig was saying. These are probably guys that maybe, unless you're in a, saying more than 12 teams, if you're in a 10, 12 team league, you can watch these guys in waivers. Deeper dynasty, you can like go for these guys. And then Jonathan Mingo, rookie receiver for the Panthers. Second round pick in the real NFL draft. It's not so much that I believe in Mingo, which I kind of do, but the four guys ahead of him, I have zero confidence in. Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, are they going to be able to stay on the field? And the guys behind them, LaVisca Chenault, Terrace Marshall Jr., just like ludicrously disappointing players so far. And I don't think it's crazy to think Jonathan Mingo could be like really starting for this team by October. Mingo is a monster. He's like a DK Metcalf. He's like an absolute freak out there. And he's like trying to model his game after DK and AJ Brown. Shadow rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, and Ole Miss, guy that wasn't... Yeah. Famous or big numbers at Ole Miss, but kind of like how Jarvis Landry and Odell at LSU or A.G. Brown and Deacon Metcalf actually had better numbers in the NFL than they did in college. Yeah, yeah. Mingo's in that vein. Heifetz, I want to throw out another sleeper here for you that I think, I don't know if we've honestly said his name in the last six to eight weeks. Zay Jones, wide receiver for the Jaguars, who in the first preseason game, at least, was the starter and he was playing ahead of Christian Kirk in a, in three receiver sets or sorry, in two receiver sets. So again, you're talking about a guy who's starting on a team that has a good quarterback whose offense we think is going to be better this year. And he is one of the two guys that's going to be on the field almost all the time because he is playing that role as an outside receiver. He's not just stuck in the slot. Like I think Christian Kirk may be this year. And so there's a chance we're way overrating Christian Kirk and way underrating Zay Jones, who by the way, had 800 yards, and five touchdowns last year. And they paid him a lot of money. The Jags had the weirdest thing. I, I I don't know how many times this has ever happened, but the Jags had three different players, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, and um, Christian Kirk, all set career highs in catches, yards, and touchdowns in the same season, which I don't know how many times that's ever happened yeah. for three different players in one team. Wait, can I throw out one more here? Please do it. John Mechie on the Texans, the second year guy. He missed year one because of a battle with leukemia, but this guy was the best wide receiver on Alabama in 2021. And now he's coming into the Texans team, uh, ostensibly healthy. And there is not a lot going on um, with the Texans depth chart. You know, they have Nico (laughs) Collins, they have uh, tank Dell who I, everyone seems to be into online right now, but uh, Mechie has the talent to take off. And if him and Stroud Mm -hmm. form a connection, I mean, Mechie is one of those guys that's flown under the radar because he missed all of last year, but He's a, an incredible talent. It was amazing in college. I like that one a lot. He's just a good player. Who are the other players in that Bama team? Mechie and it was Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams and because Devonta like Smith more. and Waddle had left. Yeah, maybe you it was said just that. And I just Williams? like recoiled. I know. I think I want to say Jameson Williams probably led that team in receiving. Um, but Mechie was talked about Craig as a potential first round type pick. Mechie led the team in catching that year. Sorry, receiving is how you say that. He led the team in catches with 96. Gotcha. Yeah. High volume. 96 guy. catches, 2021. I love Mechie. I think this is a great one. He tore, I, I want to say he had an injury too. So he was coming off an injury and he got leukemia. So he lost all of his rookie season. Um, and all reports now are that he's been. Uh, healthy and looking good in that offense. He is ostensibly the starter when they're going to be playing in three receiver sets. So this is a great one. He's sixth all time among Alabama wide receivers in receiving yards per game. Wow. That's saying something with the, with the guys they've had out the last few years.
This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Let's get to running backs. Again, once you get outside the top 120-ish, 130-ish, you're kind of throwing darts at the wall. Craig, who's a running back that you kind of just keep leaving as a dart throw all your drafts with? We've talked about him a couple times over the past few weeks. Jeff Wilson, running back on the on the Dolphins. Jeff kind of yeah. had a year last year. He was traded from the Niners to the Dolphins halfway through the season. Jeff. He had over 1,000 total yards, Jeffrey. Um, Jeff. And he's behind, you know, he's kind of basically like the 1B behind Raheem Mostert, who's missed 33 games in the last four years. And they didn't trade for Dalvin Cook. So they have Devon A-Chain, kind of a burner rookie running back. But, like, man, there's a chance. I mean, you can get Wilson outside the top 130, 140. And there is a chance that he could just be a starter for you if everyone's healthy in Miami and he could be a flex option for you. And if if anything happened to Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson could be a top 15 guy. I love Jeff Wilson late. Coaches love their guys. He didn't the the Dolphins, I believe, traded for Jeff Wilson, or at least they signed him, you know, when he was released. And it's, you know, he's just one of those veteran guys that coaches love. I think Mike McDaniel's like, this guy gets from point A to point B. He runs really hard. He runs through guys' faces. He's like, it feels a like the trait. Niners have their guys more than any other coaching staff. Like, well, the they Niners have really system. have a cult of players. Yeah. Raheem, we, we think 27's old enough to get to DiCaprio. Raheem Mostert's 31. So I, I think Jeff Wilson's actually could be 1A. And I think I could be wrong on this. I think that Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson had six games that they were healthy together. And Jeff Wilson outtouched him like five of those six games. So I love Jeff mm. Wilson a lot. I love this one, Craig. DK, give us a running back that you're leaving all your drafts with very late in the draft. I think this guy's a must add late in the draft. Jalen Warren, running back for the Steelers. Uh, right now, he is our RB48, number 131 overall. Compare that to Najee Harris, who is our RB10, 26 overall. That is a huge, huge gap for two players of questionable, like there's not a big difference between what they do on the field. I, I will put it that way. Like there's, I, I think a lot of people actually believe that Jalen Warren is just straight up better than Najee Harris. Is Jalen Warren Steelers, the new Tony Pollard? And now there's, the there's Pollard it's a great Zeke call. vibes to this. It's a great call. And I think, you know, stylistically, he's pretty similar too. Like he's one of these guys that 
super explosive, kind of ping-pongs off guys, breaks tackles, creates explosive plays. He's good in the passing game. Um, and he's like way more efficient than the starting court, starting running back in front of him. But he's probably not going to get a lot of volume um, unless something happens with Najee Harris. So I do think he's more of a handcuff than like a standalone value. But there is some indication based on the way that this team has used him in the preseason and just some of the camp reviews of how good he's been compared to Najee that maybe for the first time in a long time, they actually use him or they actually use sort of a committee at the running back position. So I think he's playing so well. He's, he's, there's a chance he just, you know, forces his way onto the field and you want to get a piece of that. And then of course, also on top of that, if, if Najee goes down, he has absolutely elite upside in this offense as a three down type running back. So I don't know. To me, he's just a, a no brainer late round pick. All these running backs are like, why can't we get paid? And then Najee Harris gets is the Steelers, are one of the last teams to take a running back in the first round. And then they're like, is this undrafted free agent better than him? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like all Steelers fans collectively kind of get it that we, we all know that Jalen Warren's probably just as good as Najee Harris. <laughs> right. But we're just kind of not thinking about it. Like we, we know that we're probably not going to resign Najee and that Jalen's should probably be, get, be getting more touches. But, you know, sink your feet in, sunk cost, kind of just, <laughs> you know. Uh, validate that draft pick. Keep giving Najee touches. <laughs> yep. Speaking of which, uh, Jaguars, first round pick under the Urban Meyer, Travis Etienne. Yeah. And now third round pick, Dank, Tank Bigsby, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm increasingly obsessed with Tank Bigsby. He's a 54th running back for us. <laughs> Two tanks in the rookie class this year. Yeah. Dude. What are the odds? Again, honestly, I, I feel like I don't really need more of a pitch than Tank. His name's Tank. His last name's Bigsby. Hilarious together. Tank Bigsby. Great name. Big Tank. Great name. He's also good at everything that Travis Etienne's not. He's a good receiver. I don't know if he'll necessarily be a, a great receiver as a rookie, but he's a between the tackles, a good short yardage runner. I just think of all these guys, we're in like handcuff range. We're like, oh, if Travis Etienne gets hurt, Tank Bigsby would be good. That's true. But Travis Etienne could be totally healthy and Tank Bigsby could still have standalone value. Obviously, it's possible Tank Bigsby is completely and utterly irrelevant this season. I also think there's a slim chance that Tank Bigsby actually is basically equal to Travis Etienne this season. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's actually possible. But again, mm. going 100 or more picks after T Travis Etienne, I have no question I would rather draft Tank Bigsby in like the f 15th round than Travis Etienne in the fourth. So I love Tank Bigsby this year. Tank, former five-star, former five-star prospect. His name is Cartavius Bigsby. So... Great name. When when guys have nicknames like uh, that are kind of based on like large objects or like you know fierce animals or something, it actually makes me think they're small. Like whenever I think of Tank Bigsby, I'm like, oh, he had to go by the nickname Tank because he's little, but he's he's not. He's actually like a big dude. <laughs> right. He's you know tank. what I mean? If he went by Cartavius Bigsby, I don't think I would think he was small. But for some reason, when they give him the nickname Tank, I'm like, oh, he's a little guy that that, that runs really hard, and they had to. He's <laughs> yeah. really plucky. Tank. Like we yeah. think yeah. Deuce Vaughn would be named Tank. Exactly. hundred percent. All right, Craig, give us another guy. This is my favorite guy, I think, outside the top 120. Elijah Mitchell, the running back on the Niners. Mm. So he was he was amazing as a rookie. He was a fifth rounder. And then last year, he was hurt a bunch, right? So they trade for McCaffrey in the middle of the year. And they only played four games together. But when Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey were on the field together, McCaffrey was not quite the guy that everybody kind of thinks he is right now. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Uh, when they played together last year, McCaffrey scored only 16 fantasy points a game. Without Elijah Mitchell, McCaffrey scored 26, 10 more. With Elijah Mitchell on the field, McCaffrey had 11 rushing attempts per game. Without Elijah Mitchell, 17 rushing attempts per game. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to like downgrade CMC. I'm really just trying to, to point out that 
when they're together on the field, it's it's almost kind of a split backfield, at least from a rushing perspective. They don't throw to Elijah Mitchell, obviously, nearly as much as they do Christian McCaffrey. But in weeks 10, 11, and 12, which is really the bulk of the season when McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell were healthy and playing together, Mitchell outcarried him by two, 34 to 32 carries, straight up. <laughs> ah. And it's Shanahan's always on his bullshit. He doesn't want to overwork Christian McCaffrey. He wants him to be around at the end of the year. And Elijah Mitchell's like a really talented runner who fits really well in the zone running scheme. He's like one of the best zone runners in the league. And it's like, you could, you could probably start this guy at your flex. And God forbid Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Elijah Mitchell would immediately be a top 10 player in the league. So mm-hmm. I think he's a fantastic pick uh, in the later rounds. In, in the league or in in the fantasy community, they call this a flex with benefits. I think a guy you can flex, <laughs> but also someone who has absolute we- league winning potential. If the guy in front of him goes down, Craig, this is a perfect example of like the Jeff Wilson thing. Guys, coaches love their guys. Elijah Mitchell is one of Shanahan's guys, and he's going to get him in there if he's healthy. The only question really is if he's healthy. We're basically saying like you know the Dolphins are kind of a microcosm of or they're kind of a, a sister offense of what the Niners do. We're basically just saying draft running backs in the Niners Z system because you never yeah, know who's exactly. going to pop off. And Elijah Mitchell is one of is one of Shanahan's guys, and you should be drafting all of Shanahan's favorite dudes in your team because he gives them mm-hmm. the ball. Cut to week eleven when uh, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell are both hurt, and Jordan Mason is just the top running back <laughs> yeah, on the team. That's so, what we're so draft him right too. Yeah. yeah, Ty Davis Price, throw him on the list. TK, give us another guy running back sleeper. Another zag from DK. Hear me out. (laughs) Hear me out. These are all Costanza picks. These are all guys that I don't actually logically want, Mm -hmm. but I think the value is there. The potential is there. And I'm talking, of course, about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, running back of the Chiefs. He is our running back 56, 151 overall. Like you can get him at the last with the last round pick. Um, All the ghosts are screaming. We're being haunted by everyone screaming at this podcast right now. Just hear me out here. Imagine a scenario where a former first-round pick who has basically been injured his entire career actually gets healthy. Rashad Penny. I'm not saying he's as explosive as Rashad Penny, but I think there's some similarities to the way that their career started out where they just got absolutely hamstrung, pun intended, by injuries at every turn, and they just couldn't establish themselves on their team. And the team, you know, like with with Penny, it was Chris Carson came in and basically took over. And then with with the Chiefs, of course, it's Isaiah Pacheco kind of just, he was more reliable, so they're going to use him. I think there's a chance if, if CEH gets healthy, that they use him the way that they were envisioning using him when he came out. He was basically a really dynamic, versatile pass catcher, a guy who could play on all three downs, um, you know, a great like outlet for the for the quarterback. And that's why they picked him in the first round. And then he just never was able to get healthy. If you go back to last year, remember Jarek McKinnon scoring eight touchdowns on like a six week stretch to end the season. I think there is a universe in which Clyde Edwards Lair was that guy if he'd finally been healthy. Um, so I just think it's worth taking a dart throw on Clyde Edwards Lair in, in the off chance that he just finally gets healthy and starts playing like a first round pick. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, there's a chance. There's a universe in which this does happen. I think he's a good sleeper. DK's like the crazy person outside your apartment building, like like banging pots and pans with like, like Clyde Edwards Alaire, <laughs> Michael Thomas. They all make sense. And you're like, yeah, buddy. All right. Carry on. The man. reckoning is coming. <laughs> no, I, I think here's my question, DK. Would you draft like 10 team league? You're not drafting Clyde Edwards Alaire. I feel like even a 12 no. team league, you're probably not drafting Clyde Edwards Alaire. One dollar player at the end of the draft. But even in a 12 team league, you would put a dollar on him. Like you would just, sure. instead of just waiting on waivers? Yeah, I would. I think, again, right. it's, you want a piece of the Chiefs offense. 
I think everybody is out completely on anyone not named Travis Kelsey, it seems like, in the Chiefs offense, which makes no sense to me. They're scoring a ton of points. They have Patrick Mahomes. They pass. They they run a ton of plays. There's I got to figure out how to make money goals. on this. It's yeah, too seriously. good. They're too good. They're I mean, too good. I got to make money on this. Give me a piece. This, again, all these sleepers that we're talking about, <laughs> you have to build a narrative. That's why they're sleepers. That's why they're ranked like 56th among running backs. You know what I mean? Like the market is out on these guys. But there is a, I think, a scenario in which Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who, by the way, was a first round pick and has been hurt his whole career, basically. So if he's finally healthy, just just a there's a planet on which this could happen. That's all I'm saying. Where is that planet? How far is it away? <laughs> I don't know. One of One of the, you know, multiverse, you know. All right. A couple of rapid fire other running backs to we want people to keep eyes on. I'm again, I'm not sure that these are necessarily players you want to draft, but at the very least, we want you to know their names. And if you're in a deeper league, they are draftable. Samir White for the Raiders. I think Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs is going to play this season, almost definitely. But just in case, Samir yep. White, running back, backup. Deion Jackson on the Colts at Evan Hull, the rookie running back on the Colts. Again, if Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to play. I think he's healthy. I, I don't know. One of those things. If not, Deion Jackson, I mean, Zach Moss is the main backup, but he broke his arm. So Deion Jackson, Evan Hull could start the season. I think Deion Jackson is pretty solid. Uh, Ty Chandler is probably the number two running back in Minnesota. I don't know if he's special, yep. but like, who knows? Just throw a dart. It's a weird situation there. Ty Chandler, or sorry, Jerome Ford for the Browns. is very popular uh, handcuffed behind Nick Chubb. So make sure he's healthy because I know he went down to practice a few days ago, but Jerome Ford's talented player. Justice Hill for the Ravens. Again, not a player of draft, but I won't <laughs> be shocked if, if yeah. the Ravens do start throwing the running backs more. I actually think that maybe Justice Hill could surpass Gus Edwards in value on that team. And I wouldn't be stunned if Justice Hill actually got some receiving work. But again, I would keep an eye on it. Eric Gray, handcuffed to Saquon Barkley. If anything happened to Saquon, I think Eric Gray for the Giants would be like really, really good. I'm obsessed with him. Uh, any other running backs you want to throw out? Just get on the record. I like that list. Rashad Penny. Any Ooh. other old running backs? TK, you want to you like, want to plug Todd Gurley next or? No, he's a, he's officially retired. He's out. He's out. Of, he's off yeah. all fantasy lists at this point. I don't think you could draft him even if you wanted I, to. I paid you um, and so everything. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Quarterbacks, sleepers. Just got one. It's a little different. I think, again, going against the market, everybody's way too out on Kyler Murray, man. He's our QB 19, overall 139. We're much higher than consensus ADP. Basically, he's undraftable, according to consensus ADP. Um his injury is certainly the reason why, you know, and we don't know exactly the timeline for when he's going to return. But again, if he returns sooner than everybody thinks, say it's like three or four games after the season starts, uh, you're getting, what, 10, 9, 8 weeks of of potential high-end top five quarterback play. I think that that's absolutely worth throwing a dart at. So um, honestly, even in a one QB league, I'm taking, I, I'm willing to take a dart throw on this guy late and just stash him. And unlike Jamison Williams, you can actually put this guy on your IR. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we all agree that you're, it's okay to put him on your IR spot. Injured players go on IR. Yeah, I completely agree, DK. This is the only quarterback that I actually think counts as a sleeper. And it's just, at yeah. the end of the day, you want upside. It just doesn't happen very often. You just get Kyler Murray with like, in the 13th round. So I, that's kind of, honestly, I, I think that's kind of it for me in one quarterback league sleepers. If you're in a two quarterback league or a super flex, I know Jordan love again, he might suck, but he's not going to get benched. <laughs> so in a two quarterback league, if you True. can make your, like always get four quarterbacks in a two quarterback what a league, pitch. always, no, I'm serious in a, four, a two quarterback league, always get four because everyone event, someone eventually will need another one and then no one wants to trade their backup. So it's impossible. So if you have four and you always get the third and fourth ones, guys that aren't going to get like Mac Jones, I don't maybe 
Bill Simmons thinks he will. I don't think Mac Jones is going to get benched. I think Jordan Love is really good. Kenny Pickett, all those guys. But I actually think Jordan Love is the highest ceiling. And I, I, I like Jordan Love a lot in the two-quarterback league. Um, I'll add any one. other quarterbacks you want to throw a dart at? Yeah, Sam uh, Howell was named the yeah. starter for the Ugh. Commanders. He I think could he get sucks. Benched. I was in the possibility. Dude, I was at Ravens camp. They had a joint practice with Washington. That offensive line might be worse than I thought. And I thought it was bottom three. And I think yeah, that, that means he's going to be scrambling, baby. He's going to be scrambling for his life. And we like that in fantasy land. <laughs> what a he has like Baker Mayfield vibes, but I don't know if that's a good thing. Right. I don't know, man. He ran for a lot of yards. He's, I don't think he's, he's certainly not as explosive or, uh, you know, elusive as some of the other top tier scrambling quarterbacks, but he is willing and able to run. And he likes to throw we, deep. So I don't know. That's a good there. question. He though. ran for like a lot of yards in college. Didn't he yeah. run for like seven, 800 yards in his final Wait, but year? DK, you bring up an interesting point about speed because Sam Howell's 40 yard dash time was, let's see here. It, he let's ran guess. a four, six, four, seven, four, four six. But here's the thing. Four, four six? six. That's pretty good. It's like Josh Allen ran a four, six. Justin Ross ran a four, six. That's pretty funny. But if you're running from the Eagles D line, you've got to be moving faster, right? Like you're running for your life, like adrenaline survival instincts kick in. Like if you're being chased mm-hmm. by something. You'd have to run faster, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. So wait, th- wait, what is your, I don't, what's the point you're trying to make that when he's getting chased by Lyman, he'll be even faster. Yeah. The combine's a four, six, but if you're running to not die, it's like maybe he's a four, four athlete. At the combine, they should have a lion, a, a real lion behind you, yeah. and then let you run. It's Jeez. like Talladega Nights putting a cougar in the backseat. They should do that exactly. at 40, see how fast people run. Oh my exactly. God. All right. Tight ends. I almost think this is a caricature of ourselves. Of just, I know. Here are all these like late-round tight ends that are exciting that you're going to cut three weeks in and Let's suck. Let's preface this by saying just go get it. Travis Kelsey, get Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah. Or even you can't. Just get freaking Evan Ingram or Pat Fryermuth. Just don't do this to yourself and don't. But maybe said. do, maybe do. <laughs> but do it, it might work for us. <laughs> it might work for us. Okay, I'm gonna run through these guys, and if and you guys want to co-sign your name on any of these, please let me know. Dalton Kincaid for the Bills. Yes, he's our 153rd player, tight end, yes. 17. I think that's responsible. Say less, as they say. Sharks, are you in? <laughs> Lava. I love Dalton Kincaid. This is great because the tight end sleepers never work and he's a rookie tight end sleeper, which especially never works, but <laughs> could work for us. He's a wide receiver and it's like, look, the ceiling is as high as it's higher, frankly, than all the other players here. These are penny but, stocks. Yeah. Right. And the floor is you only lose a cent, just like all the other tight ends. Luke Musgrave for the Packers, the same deal. It's if he is good, he'll be better than all the other options, but he Luke probably Musgrave suck, is in the somebody's got to catch passes on this team category because like everyone yeah. on the Packers is like 23 years old and no one's established. So maybe it's Luke Musgrave. Exactly. Every, every quote that you hear about Luke, Luke Musgrave, both from beat reporters and from coaches and fans, he's amazing. Everyone is enamored with this person. He is like apparently having the greatest training camp of any player all time. Which, you, which you know means he's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> no, it means he's going to get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> The person who takes Michael Thomas and Clyde Edwards or Lair and Jameson Williams because they're Costanzing, they're going to win your league. And the people being like, Luke Musgrave, good yeah. at football? No, you're going to lose. Yeah, no. uh, Other guy, but those are upside picks. In a deeper league, they'll be on waivers probably, but. Add uh, Sam Laporta to the, as long as we're talking about rookies, you guys talk about he, Sam Laporta. But why? Because he actually has to learn how to block. Musgrave and Kincaid are not going to have to learn to block. I don't know if that's true though. I think he is. I think they drafted Laporta to be a route running guy, like to, to, to be a pass catching player. 
So I don't know. We'll see. I, I still think he's worth taking a shot on. Also, I don't really understand what you mean when it says like he'll have to learn how to block. I mean, he knows how to block, right? That's what he was doing in college for half of his job. Well, Wasn't he blocking? When I say learn to block, I mean, I like know the, it's like it's, advanced in the NFL, but I mean, he like, it's not like he's like learning from scratch. He's not like a guy that grabbed off the street and teaching him how to block. Also, real quick to interject, Heifetz, if you're saying he needs to learn to block, which I think is true. However, I still think he's going to be playing. I still think he's going to be on the field regardless of whether he knows how to block or not. I think they will try and make him learn how to block. But who else do they have to throw out there at tight end? They're going to play him. He's been playing with the well, starters they have, I mean, in they, preseason. They have Brock Wright, and don't they have still have the uh, Zilstra? Oh, God, I don't think they have me. Zilstra. Yeah. I don't know, but Zilstra my gone. point is, I think he's going to be the starter for the team, and that alone means like he's on the field. He's going to be catching passes. He's going to be running routes, even if he still does need to learn. The problem with a lot of these rookie tight ends is they need to learn to block, and therefore their team doesn't play them. I think Sam Laporta needs to learn how to block, but the team is still going to play him. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And speaking of uh, same situation, Jake Ferguson, Cowboys. Um, that is the starting, probably the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Jake Ferguson, yep. incredible, boring player, boring name. Uh, nobody knows he exists. Dalton Schultz left the Cowboys. No one knows this guy exists. He's not going to get drafted. And again, if this guy's just good in week one, check out our waiver show. There's a total chance you can just add Jake Ferguson. And he might be good. I don't even know if you have to draft him, but this is the kind of guy that when you bail on your shitty tight end, because it turns out Luke Musgrave was overhyped. You're like, oh, Jake Ferguson starting. Oh, another overhyped tight end I can draft. Perfect. You, exactly. Heifetz, you mentioned he's boring. You know how I am. I'm in the dynasty streets. Like I know fourth and fifth string receivers and tight ends on every team. I could not remember for the life of me this guy's first name the other day. I was like, <laughs> Ferguson, I, something Ferguson. I don't know. He's because you're a dad. Though. No, that's your that's your birthright as a father to f- slowly forget first names. <laughs> right, and it's like oh, the Ferguson kid, Fergie. and then eventually Fergie. you forget the names, and yeah. you just say the kid from the college. Fergie. He's going to start calling him Jack Ferguson, and we're not going to correct him because it's sad. <laughs> yeah. No, you will correct me, and I still won't change because I can't remember. Yeah. My dad calls Dak Prescott Dax Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Josh Ferguson. The tight ends. Eventually, the dads forget the names altogether, and then suddenly, like Jackson Smith and Jigba is just the, the kid from Ohio State, even though he's like thirty-one the at the kid. time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I All like right. when older guys call like forty-year-old men kids. <laughs> you know, I like when like a seventy-year-old guy comes up to like his son who's forty-two, and he's like, "You're a good kid." I love that. <laughs> well, here's a good kid, Hunter Henry, tight end for the Patriots. Another guy that just wow, you forgot he existed, didn't you? Yeah, uh, totally chance Hunter Henry just catches nine touchdowns this year. Patriots are going to have an adult big boy offense. John <clears throat> Smith is gone. Hunter, Mike is he's a fake tight end. Hunter Henry is the starting tight end for the Patriots. <laughs> I, he's completely, utterly free. I, again, another guy mm-hmm. who I, I actually think might be on waivers in a 14 team league draft will conclude. And you can probably still get Hunter Henry on waivers. And just the epitome of like, Catches a touchdown a week one and everyone adds him. And I don't know what kind of season he's going to have, but totally and utterly free. Just wanted to put him out there. I but. I can't wait to draft like Dalton Schultz or Chiga Quanquo. They flame out. And then for the entire year, I'm just living on tight end waivers. Hunter Henry <laughs> is the perfect guy where I like check his stats in every game. He has like three catches for 38 yards. Every once in a while, he has a touchdown. And I'm like, you know yep. what? Maybe he'll have a touchdown this week. That guy is going to but be still on- not getting zero. Hunter Henry, I'm going to give him the waiver wire award, the, the preseason waiver wire award. He's going to be on the most fantasy teams at tight end this year. <laughs> the Josh Johnson award. 
<laughs> we should do the, the Josh Johnson <laughs> Award. Yes. Hyphens, did you know? So I saw this. Uh, I was watching the preseason. I know. I'm sicko. And they had, I can't even remember, honestly, what team he's on. I think he's. He's on the Ravens. What? I went to camp and I was like, Josh That's Johnson, is yeah. that you? I literally couldn't what? remember what team he was on. Um, anyway, the point is they were talking about how many teams he's been on. He's been on 14 NFL teams, which is an all-time record well, in the immaculate, NFL. So we haven't talked about this yet, but Immaculate Grid, the guessing mm-hmm. game, it's it's really fun if you haven't played it. Just Google like NFL Immaculate Grid. And it's just like a three by three square and it's a guessing game. But Josh Johnson's kind of like the human free space because he's been on 14 teams. That's actually a great point. I struggle with that game more than I thought I would. You're too young, Craig. It's like name a guy who played for the Cardinals and Steelers. And I'm like, well, I lost. Like, I just, like can't. <laughs> unless it's like a really obvious trade that happened or a signing. Like, I don't I can't do that. All right. Those are our sleepers. Let's do some emails. Emails. Okay. Last episode. We're talking a lot about uh, lobsters, seafood, a lot of things. Yeah. Did I get a lot of hate mail for the seafood takes? No, that's just in your own head. I don't know why you're okay. so judging yourself. I think yourself a lot of people are not anti-seafood, but like don't prefer seafood. I feel like that's a well, common maybe opinion. It's maybe like, uh, I don't know, bias based on where I live. But like if I tell anyone around here that I don't like seafood, they're like, what? Well, yeah, you well, live Kai, in spot Kai so loves shrimp. Seafood. Kai Fieri has yeah, the finer taste in life. Kai loves shrimp and I don't like, I mean, shrimp is fine. Yeah. I'll eat shrimp, but you got to douse it. And, you know, we talked about it. Okay, continue. You got well, to devein it. You got to take the why poop is, out. <laughs> why is like cocktail a sauce only for part. shrimp cocktail? Like the fact that you're like, oh, this expensive shrimp cocktail comes for the sauce. And then we just don't eat the sauce in any other context. What's up with that? Cocktail sauce is delicious. I kind of want to open like a like a diner, but it's like quote unquote upscale, low scale, like high end, <laughs> low end diner mix. That's like chicken nuggets with like cocktail sauce, stuff like that. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I I think the reason why is I don't think cocktail sauce is actually that good. I think it like well, only works with shrimp so like because two, have you done the thing that's like where it's like really spicy with the horseradish sauce or whatever? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Of course, I, know like, I, I don't want a French fry dipped in cocktail sauce. That sounds bad to me, <laughs> dude. I, I oh my god, I kind of think I, it sounds good. <laughs> they, they just it's a great name. Cocktail sauce is a fantastic it name. It does evocative. Um, it is evocative. Gets the people really going. Kind of, yeah, it evokes something in me. But another, and you know what? And I think tartar sauce is really good. Terrible name. Terrible. If tartar awful sauce name. was called cocktail sauce, it'd be the biggest sauce in the world. I think dipping many things in, co- <laughs> in, in tartar sauce is really good. Tartar is a horrific name. Horrible Craig, name. That, Tartar is like me. the Jeff Wilson. <laughs> we were talking about the uh, things dads call old stuff. Like we were talking about Washington, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of dads call ketchup catsup. Ugh. Catsup. Oh, <laughs> that's also, a milk category for me. <laughs> we also never talked catsup. about how the, the the grandmother in Wedding Crashers says Washington, and we never caught. We does didn't she? talk about oh, it. Does. Extended says, edition has to be extended edition. Oh yeah, it must be. Yeah, she says Washington. Maybe, I don't know. Extended. My my boy right. down in Washington. You, yeah, you're probably. It's probably in the regular one. I think I'm remembering what you're talking about. All right, wait. Email from Ryan. 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 Guy. Right. This is the same guy who's saying his grandmother on Facebook is always saying, like, sign off. Hey, like, thanks, Dash Barb, even though her name's above the comment. And he says, I can't tell you how often my grandmother says, when I was a little girl, I ate so much lobster since we didn't have any money. Lobster was only for poor people. Ah. And so Ryan's like, this must have been one of the marketing jobs of the century. Because like all the stories, they used to give lobsters to prisoners in Maine. Yes, Ryan. 
Join join the club here. Join the cult against lobsters being expensive. They're just sea bugs. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are sea dude, bugs. David Foster Wallace, consider the lobster man. Read it. You don't have to, but the, if they're sea bugs, that's the point. You know, uh, I, I've read some things about lobsters that like we don't even know how long they can live because we keep dying. Like they're, they're technically biologically immortal because I think their yes. cells don't age. So what? they're, they're <laughs> technically bi- yeah, they're biologically immortal. immortal? They are, <laughs> lobsters are immortal. They're like the yeah. elves. Wow. There's a lot of lore around lobsters, but like I, I've heard that there are lobsters that like keep outliving human beings. So we like, and it was like before we were like recording how Written long records. they were alive. So there are lobsters we have no idea how they could be alive hundreds of years. We don't know. There's a there's a shark called the Greenland shark that yes they've been alive since like the 1600s. It's like how did we figure that out first? Yeah, of all? the sharks. Well, I think it's because they're they're in like the ice cold waters. Of like the mm. Arctic Ocean, so that they're metabolizing for baby. a reason. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, w- Wim Hof sharks out here. It Hate says inf- scientists estimate the gr- the Greenland shark lives at at least two hundred and fifty years. That's Amazing. crazy. How old is it's America? Lo- <laughs> uh, about two fifty. Right, yeah, coming up on it. Crazy. Wow, it's almost as old as uh, Michael Thomas. The shark probably remembers Michael Thomas playing football. Wonder if they get bored out there swimming around. <laughs> Just swimming around. They've seen things come and go. If they get bored out there. Rolling Stone gathers no moss. <laughs> they just pop in an iPod or an, an AirPod and just listen to a podcast. You know? Do you think they're only friends with other Greenland sharks because any other species that they uh, you just know keep dying. befriend just die? Yeah, they're yeah. like the sorcerer's stone. They're like, I don't even want this anymore. It sucks. I don't get that. Oh my God, Craig! God damn it! <laughs> Over the head! <sighs> it's like in True Blood, how all the vampires, all their friends die, but they just keep living. Does that help, Craig? Did you watch no. True Blood? I didn't. Okay. No, okay. it was. We were too young for all the nudity. It was like oh, that's nudity. True, yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me check this out. <laughs> HBO baby, home box office, as Gramps would call it. <laughs> home box, yeah. home box, home box. The all home box. Home box. <laughs> on the Sopranos on the home box. <laughs> uh, it's from Ryan. Another Ryan. Another Ryan? Oh, shit. Another, yeah, different Ryan. So, oh, God, how to explain. On the last episode, we were talking about fake foods, and people emailed us about how some foods are other foods, and it turns out that vanilla extract comes from fake vanilla extract comes from um, some anal gland. Beaver? Anal gland? Ryan emailed in and said, the question of why would you go to the trouble of making imitation vanilla out of beaver anal glands instead of just growing more vanilla plants. How would you know to vanilla- even start there? How would you know <laughs> to even <laughs> test that? You know, you know what? Don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. I you actually, smell I don't, you smell you, when you're taking apart a dead beaver or live, I suppose. They were like, this uh, let me get like in this live or stuffed. Yeah. They're like, hmm, this smells, this smells good. <laughs> this makes me want. <laughs> Anyone want want a tail? <laughs> this makes me want some French toast or something. Who wants to know. bake? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, vanilla plants, very finicky take one to four years to bloom from the seed. And wow. then they require hand pollination using like a, yeah, chop, how, a chopstick yeah. or cotton swab. You got to grow a fucking beaver though. What do you mean they, re- they require <laughs> hand pollination? I don't know. It's some, you have I to don't know. Maybe they're like, how did vanilla survive then? The, well, they're like English bulldogs. You know how like some bulldogs, they're actually not able to give natural birth because like we have, they have to, they can only give birth via C-section because we bred them in a way where they can't actually like, sur- they wouldn't survive on their own without So us. vanilla evolved in such a way that it cannot live without human interaction? 
I, I guess. I, I mean, I, I probably should have fact-checked Ryan's email a little more. I don't want to say that with my life on it's the telling line. Telling you but... tall tales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I love well, vanilla. He... Best best ice cream flavor. IMO. Vanilla. The funny thing is we use vanilla yep. to say like bland, Hot but vanilla crack. is actually a very exotic flavor. I so agree with that, Heifetz. It's completely been co-opted by whoever started using vanilla Lobster. to mean boring. But if, if vanilla was not the color white, if vanilla ice cream was like pink, I think people would think it was much more exotic and tasty than it is and less boring. Mm. I think that's true. What is Eason's sorry joke where he's like Bed Bath and Beyond? It's like, want one of them jars with the sticks that makes my room smell like vanilla bean. <laughs> anyway. Do you guys do you guys have a preference on like ice cream that is vanilla bean versus French vanilla? Can you tell the difference? Do you care? I if I said with a straight face I knew the difference, I couldn't tell you how much of a liar I would be. But when I do you, love if, vanilla. If you had to choose though, which would you pick? Which calls to you more, vanilla bean or French vanilla? I couldn't, I think this speaks to marketing that I couldn't tell you right now if vanilla bean is the term for actual real vanilla or if it's the term they made up to actually use fake vanilla. But I, I would pick vanilla bean because I feel like that's what Haagen-Dazs does. But then again, Haagen-Dazs is a made up term that is not actually a phrase. They thought it sounded vaguely Nordic. So for, they just invented the word Haagen-Dazs, but it's not a real <laughs> word. I think in the language. vanilla bean evokes for me, Craig, like a little texture in the, in the ice cream. Is that incorrect? No, because they, I mean, some of them ha little, have little black specks that are like right. quite yeah. literally the beans. That's the bean. I, I like That's the French I vanilla. I think it's What's like French creamier. Vanilla? I don't know. Oh, I just think it's yeah, creamier. Sense. Different flavor profile. <laughs> you talk all day seen, about French vanilla. Have you seen that video of the guy <sighs> who uh, tastes ice creams and can like, he, he has like the best palate of all time. There's like that famous what? YouTube video. Of I think I have seen ice that, creams. Yeah. And he goes, yep. <laughs> let, it, let it cover all 10,000 taste buds. Stop. And it's like, he can, he can like tell the difference between any ice cream in the world. What a talent. Look him up. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Also, they call uh, him the Brian... tongue. <laughs> I thought they was, that was, they called you. No, in high school. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. On that note, Brian, we two Ryans and a Brian. 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 God, we have so many white dudes who listen to this show. Incredible. <laughs> Can't wait for the live show next Tuesday. Uh, Brian emailed and just didn't even say anything in the email, just put in the, the subject line. Heifetz said he would reach around for a player. I know. I noticed that Ooh. too. He'll <laughs> reach around. I, like, I didn't notice phrasing. that. Phrasing. Do you guys yeah. watch Archer? Phrasing. We're not doing phrasing anymore? I've seen Archer. Funny show. H. John Benjamin. Best voice. Archer in, season in... one is like an all-timer, I would say. Put it H. On, John put might it have the, the best voice in Mount animated Rushmore. television history. Oh, oh my 100%. God. Yeah. Also, the premise where it's like Lucille Bluth runs the CIA and <laughs> yeah. her like drunken asshole no, son it's is ISIS. like entitled James this was Bond. Before <laughs> ISIS became ISIS. <laughs> they is called it, it really? ISIS later. Yeah. Dude, yeah, the CIA in the show is called ISIS and it came out like 2011 and then ISIS became right, a we thing. We should probably change they, the name of this. Yeah. Well, they changed and then they changed the name of the show. And they were that's like, really oh, wow, it's a huge problem. All right. Well, oh my on God. that incredible I, note. Dude, but Archer season one, truly. Yes. In the Pantheon, greatest seasons of all time in any show. No, I totally agree. I've only seen like random episodes, but I've enjoyed all of them. Dude, the idioms one when he's a pirate, pirate king. <laughs> the pirate. Isn't that, call. that's like season two or three. That's way later. All right. Ring, uh, fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Top 200 players. All these guys we talked about. Emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. If you have thoughts on, I mean, football, like fantasy football or drafts, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Also, beaver glands, vanilla, French vanilla versus vanilla bean, uh, archer, 
lobsters. lobsters. People, people have a lot of thoughts on lobsters, man. And you know any animals that live kind of an extremely long Forever. period of time? Let us know. I'm cu- very curious <laughs> about the the animals that defy like tortoises age. Yeah, tortoises live a long no, time. No, but they die of old age. Lobsters don't die of old age. That's what it's about. Which is they pretty just, fucked up that we eat them then. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? <laughs> they just live for thousands of years. Maybe let's have that. It's like how we cage birds. It's like they can fly. You know, this is a Brian Regan joke. I've been blessed with the gift of flight. Thanks. <laughs> Put me in a cage. I'm one of the very few species on earth that can fly. Cool. This is how You're I feel. You're letting the dog run you... around the house. Meanwhile, I'm in a cage. This is how I feel, though, when you two are, are flying. Whenever we have to travel somewhere, you two hate flying. And I'm yeah. like, we are like Greek myths. We are literally yeah, like the no. only generation of people ever that have been able to fly in planes and gaze at the earth from 30,000 feet. And I'm like, it's truly a miracle. Yeah. We it's were fun. not gifted with flight, unlike birds. We are it's meddling unnatural. with modern physics and science. We were not meant to <laughs> meddling. fly. We're meddling. <laughs> the odds of you getting in a car crash in Los Angeles are so much higher. All right, actually, no, I don't want to jinx it. No, I don't I'm think they are, actually, because you can't go faster than 25 miles an hour in L.A. So <laughs> maybe fender benders are more likely. All right. I have a rule. When a podcast talks about traffic in L.A., we have to stop. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Tucker. Thank you, everyone, for all the help. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship. What yes. Which is, I think now they're just Starship. Yeah, um, that sounds right. I was first introduced to them by Wet Hot American Summer's intro song, which yeah. is one of the greatest intros. Jane. Mu- songs. Great yeah, song. Jane. Great Dude, Jefferson song. Starship or Jefferson Airplane is, is awesome. Great band. Hell yeah. Let's put, the, let's put Jane on the, the mix for our live show. How about that? I'm Boom. super down. Hi, Vince, do be honest. Have you heard of Jefferson Airplane? I said, actually, no, I have, I have no, no <laughs> idea. Uh, you definitely know their songs. Somebody You've probably love. heard that play. song. I'm going to play Jane right now. Oh, dude. Great crescendo intro. Oh Jane God, is amazing. like an all-timer for me. I've heard this song. Yeah. yeah. What's because you've you seen What Hot American what Summer? What American Summer, right? I actually have not. I just know it's like oh, legendary, but I have not actually watched What Hot American Summer. Awesome movie. I even thought the remake television show wasn't that bad. <laughs> the, the, it, the brilliance of the remake of the television show or whatever is like, it's a prequel, but they're, they're like all 20 like years older. <laughs> and the same actors play. They just look old and haggard and they're supposed to be like middle schoolers. It's great. Dude, the cast for Wet Hot American Summer, which came out in 2001, is kind of insane. It's Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper yeah. Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, uh, Janine Garofalo, Ken Marino. There are a million people. Christopher Maloney, the, Molly Shannon. The Elizabeth girl. What's, what's her Elizabeth name? Banks. But yes, yes. She's good. It now. was like every single actor that right before they became like an actual <laughs> a B lister in Hollywood. Heifetz, like in the, Florida How have you not seen this? You're the or one. Heifetz, you're the one that went to like Jewish day camp or whatever sleepover camp. Is that what it's about? It's like based on. All, yeah, it's yeah, like, it's based like on, on the last day of camp in like the 80s of summer camp. Oh wow! Yeah, that's you would love it, Heifetz. Oh, it it's is right so funny. up your alley. Yeah, it's very like Lonely Islandy. It's it's very like uh, slapstick over the top. A kid gets hurt and they drive away from the camp and kick him out of the van and then just keep driving. They like there's a scene they kill several kids during this day. Remember the counselors leave? They they leave for like there's a 10 minute montage of them leaving the camp to go into the little town, the little downtown, (laughs) and they do heroin. (laughs) It's a montage of them just like gradually getting crazier. Yes, they go do heroin and just come back (laughs) and everything's fine. 
It's great if we can get away even for an hour. They're like strung out. It's really good. I highly recommend it. The movie, not heroin. Yeah, the movie, not heroin. And Jefferson Airplane. (laughs) All right, goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.